Hello everyone, welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Steve Wiss and I'm joined by my good colleague, Jonathan Fadugba. How are you doing, uh, John? I'm very well, Steve. And hello to everyone else listening to this podcast. Welcome. Um, yeah, we're about to have a break in Sweden, so uh, this could be the last time we, we talk about Osvenskan for a, for a good month or so, potentially, at least, I think. But uh, now, all things considered, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I was going to say that that's it. It's gone for, well, a good six to seven weeks, I think, maybe even longer. Fifth, uh, 3rd of July is the next scheduled Alsvenskan match, Norshipping against Malmo. Um, obviously, uh, the break for the Euros here. Um, but yeah, this, this does seem like a very significant break. Uh, we, most teams have played eight games. A couple of sides have played nine times each. So we're, we're a good chuck into the season. And um, I mean, firstly, I mean, are you disappointed about this break? I mean, you knew it was coming, but it kind of ruins a bit of momentum it had going. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed. It's, um, it could be a good time to sort of pause things. Uh, I'm really enjoying the season, as, as I've said. But, you know, you always get to this sort of stage of the season where things start to take a little bit of priority, even in, even in your own life, really. Uh, in general, sometimes things can get in the way. I mean, obviously, European season is just coming to a close. So there's huge games everywhere, isn't there, really? And, um, and, and of course, we've got the Euro starting in June. So it's, it's an interesting time to have a break. Uh, one thing I found quite, quite curious is... Um, the the yeah, as you said the season restarts in July but it doesn't re it's still going to be in the middle of the tournament so you've got sort of a strange um, prospect where you know there might be certain players who if they do get to the latter stages of this competition there's, there's not too many players that I suppose you might expect to be there but but you never know um, you know teams that get to the latter stages uh, are going to maybe potentially not be back in time so uh, we'll see how that plays out it's only the quarterfinals and semis so of course you know any teams involved you know Sweden would have to do very well to get that far and and, and there aren't that many Swedes in the in the national team anyway who are playing in Norsvenskan still so I suppose to a certain extent it's um understandable scheduling but there's still other other players in you know in other squads potentially who, who might not be available someone like Hamzik is a good example but uh yeah all things considered it's probably the right time for a break and uh yeah so I guess it's a uh, goodbye for Sweden after after this episode yeah, I'll just give you a top four for those uh, who are interested. Malmo are top on uh, 20 points. Jorgarten, 17 points. AIK a third on 14. Elsborg on 13 points. And Kalmar a fifth on 13 points. As you said, Elsborg and Malmo have played a game more. At the bottom of the table, Hecken, they are still propping up the standings, but they have now had a, a victory on the board. 3-1 winning against Varburg. They are on six points. Seven points for Urubro and seven points for Varburg as well. Ostersund on eight. So um yeah, that's that that's the, the crucial crucial positions in the table. And I did just mention Urubro there down in second bottom. Um and uh basically that has had consequences at the club, hasn't it? It has indeed. Uh we've got one of our and we've got another managerial casualty. Uh there's been already it's been already announced that Hacken's manager will be will be uh, leaving to Denmark in the you know he, he's off now after the cup final and um now we've had a new announcement that uh former pod guest two-time pod guest axel kiar of Orebro is uh, resigned uh, as coach and he will become the sort of uh the head of football at the club i believe i think that's gonna be his title um so they'll they'll hire a, a new basically a new manager and kiar will uh, you know he will just be i think in charge of um Things like recruitment and 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 the overall uh, responsibility over the whole club. I think the academy, women's team, things like that. Um, it's been a been an interesting situation for the last year or so. If anyone has listened to our podcast, if you go back a year or so uh, in the archives, if, if you're new, you want to listen to it. We had Axel Kiel twice on the pod, and uh, last season, before the beginning of last season, he he came on, and he talked about the fact that he he he'd taken on a lot more responsibilities at the club. He was in charge of not only managing the team but also recruitment and um and all kinds of areas negotiating with agents everything so bringing in players um he did kind of hint at times that that's a real big challenge and a really big job and i think it's kind of probably got to him i think it's, it's maybe ground him down a little bit um the results of the team have, have been poor this season you know they are they've been they've been one of the worst teams in the league really uh two wins out of eight 
uh, five goals scored, the lowest in the league, you know, so 16 goals conceded. Um, probably as things, if things continued in this way, they, they might be relegation candidates and that's not a good place for Oribro, who traditionally usually around mid-table. So, um, yeah, they, they've called it a day. They'll get a new coach in who can focus solely on, on managing the club, which is what they need. And Kiel can go back to kind of maybe a more general role. Um, they've said at the moment where you know, the, cl the club statement uh, from the chairman is that we're currently working on hiring a head coach uh, as, as Axel enters a new role as a manager. Uh, he will handle issues around the A-team, recruitment, scouting, player sales. He will also be broadly responsible for several long-term development issues within the club. Um, he will also be responsible for our newly started women's team and OSCs Academy. So he's still got a lot of work to be done at, his, at the club, but I think from his point of view, probably a chance to step back, not be too involved in the day-to-day -day coaching side of it, and they can bring in a coach who can maybe, you know, get them up the table. He certainly likes to have his finger in a few pies, doesn't he, does Axel Kjell? But, um, as I mean, they would have won two of the last four games. I think it's, it sounds to me like maybe he's just run out of fumes a bit. And uh, a coaching change uh, will be maybe a good thing for the club. Just briefly, do you think there's enough, uh, you know, within the squad to to comfortably keep them above, above relegation? Well, I, I don't know how um, I don't know how he manages it to be honest, because it's hard enough being a manager of a football club, let alone having to. I mean, it's kind of an old school thing, isn't it? A bit like maybe in the old Premier League days, in the early Premier League years of you know Ferguson Wenger type thing, where you're in charge of entire every aspect of the club. Um, you know, even having to negotiate with, like I said, and negotiate with agents and things like that, player sales, that, that can't be healthy for a football club really to have one person responsible for so much. They also lost their assistant manager. I think he joined Malmo. Uh, he mentioned it in that podcast. So, you know, he didn't even really maybe have the right backing behind him uh, to a certain extent, you could you could argue. So I know, I know they're quite an attractive club. You know, they get um, a lot of interest in their coaches and stuff like that. So, you know, they've lost one or two members of staff as well. So that probably hasn't helped him. I think at this point in time, I think they're in for a bit of a bit of a relegation battle. Um, I've always, I've always thought they overachieved a little bit. You know, they, they've had a few seasons where, you know, they, they've done okay. Kiel's done quite well with them. In, in general, they finished seventh last season. I believe they finished uh, seventh the season before as well. No, eighth, sorry. Um, so you know, he's kept them solidly mid-table with 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 not a great budget, not a great squad really for all Svenskan level compared to some of the other teams they finished above. But um, I think the squad's got weaker and weaker as time's gone by. I predicted them to have sort of a, I think it was a lower mid-table finish. Uh, so, you know, I think I predicted them in 10th, which is probably where I think they may just about end up. But it's going to, a lot will depend on who they, who they appoint. Um, I think the squad has got worse. You know, we've got, for example, Oscar Janssen, who was a goalkeeper of the season last season. He, he went to North Shopping and... I'm not a big fan of their replacement, to be honest, Bobby Allen. I think he's um, he struggled a bit, you know, as much as I'd like to praise him. I, I remember saying in the pre-season show he's played in played in Liga and things like that. He's been been at fault for a few goals, I think. He's been, he, was, he was quite poor. The first goal against Malmo at the weekend, they lost 2-1 uh, at home. I thought he could have done better for Adi Nalic's goal, for example. It was across him. It wasn't too much in the corner and he, he didn't do a good job of it, really. Um, so I think, I think recruitment's not been great. Um, so I, th I think they will be in a bit of a battle, but if you look at the table, Steve, obviously they're only three points off ninth, so still early days. A lot will depend on who they get to replace them. Yeah, and just looking to the top of the table now, Malmo are in a familiar uh, position, uh, three points clear. It sounds like, it seems like they just sort of find their form a bit now. They're scoring goals as well. Seven out of their nine fixtures have ended over 2.5 this year. Uh, I've seen a few of their games, actually watched a bit of the Orobro match, and um, yeah, they got a good winner there from Son Reeks, who struck a really nice, uh, nicely struck uh, sort of longer range shot. But um, they actually seem a, a decent watch this year, Mama. I must say, I'm quite pleasantly surprised by them. They're not boring, are they? But they're, they're just starting to kick in the gear. Maybe the, the breaks come at a bad time for them, do you think? No, I think it's uh, I think it's a fine time. They, they've had a few problems, really. Um, Ola Toivon has got quite a bad injury. I think he's going to be out for several months which is a real shame. Uh, also, Christiansen's had a few injury problems. Um, but they've got quite a, quite a strong squad, actually, Malmo. You know, I think they've got a bit of depth there that they maybe haven't had in previous years. Uh, you know, players like Nalic, Pavle Vajic can come in as well. So they've got a few a few players who can sort of step up now. Um, as you said, they started to look good, 18 goals. You know, that's by far 
the most in the league at this moment in time. They've played the game more, obviously, but they are leaking goals a little bit, you know. And um, you know, if we take the the Elspeth game, I think we talked about it before, but you know, they they do tend to concede one or two. You know, the Orbital game even. Um, Dennis Hummet scored a decent goal. You know, low low finish, and um, you kind of question the defending of that goal. And uh, and even when you look at it, really, that there's a few players who might leave now in the summer. So yeah, you could argue from that point of view, it's not a good time because they want to keep their players. And I think they've got one or two that will potentially be be attractive to other clubs. Um, very strongly rumoured that Armand Hodzic will be off to to Atalanta. Um, so I think he may well have played his last game for Malmo. Um, their centre back has been been fantastic for quite a few years now. Uh, good young defender, good ball playing defender, uh, strong player. Really, really, um, you know, he deserves his move to Italy. I think he's, he's going to be one to watch in the future. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's. I suppose from that point of view, they're going to have a bit of work to do in this window. Um, got, like I say, Champions League qualifiers coming. They'll need to maybe, maybe fill that gap in defence. Um, but they're just a strong side in the sense that they're they're very good from set pieces. I mentioned it on the last podcast. They, they, they that long throw is incredible. Uh, it's a real weapon for them, and they're just managing to get that balance right now. Really, only one defeat in nine, and generally looking good. Yeah, I've noticed quite a few teams actually in the uh, Nordic region are using like, the long throw. Is really making a comeback, you know. The moment teams can't deal with the long throw. I don't know what it is. Maybe they've just forgotten how to defend against it at the top level. But um, in terms of Alsvenskan, then who I'm, I'm going to exclude Hacken from this because they're an obvious answer. Who has surprised you in a both a good way and a bad way this year? Uh, you mean teams? Teams, yeah. Surprised me in a good way, I would say Kalmar 100%. Kalmar have been really, really good. I, I thought they would do well this season. You know, I thought the new management there, Reestrom, I thought he would, he would get a tune out of them. But I, I didn't. I don't think anyone expected them to be fifth at this stage. You know that they, they are, they are, they deserve their place as well. They don't score many goals, but they don't concede many either. Uh, they're starting to actually have good possession, which is a quite rare for Kalmar in recent years. Starting to dominate teams, you know they upset uh, Hammerby, um, beat them in the, the this last round just gone, uh, beat them two one, and you know I thought they were decent value for that win to be honest. Um, Hammerby have been, you know, on the flip side, Hammerby have, I just think they disappoint in general. There's a little bit of pressure coming now on Stefan Bilborn as a manager, and and I think it's probably about time there was some pressure on him. Um, Thirteen goals conceded again in eight games. They just leak goals for fun. Uh, they score a lot, but they're just always they're too leaky for my liking. They're just not a solid enough team. There's so much investment, Hammerby. So much recruitment goes into that club. They spend a lot of money on good players. You know, they've got the likes of Akin Kumbi and Mu, who might leave now. They've bought Astrid Selmani up front. You just expect a bit more from them, really. You expect them to do better with the amount of money they spend. But it always seems to be sort of mid-table-ish. And um, they shouldn't be losing to teams like Kalmar. With all due respect to Kalmar, you know, they, Hammerby... I think they should be doing a lot better than, than they've done in, in recent seasons. So um, <laughs> that's probably a good game to really have that answer that question. Uh, I think Degafors have, have looked good in spells. You know, I think they've brought they've brought a breath of fresh air to the league. I think they've been quite an exciting team to watch. We, we've talked about their three four three style, and you know, they've got some decent players. I think their keeper Ishmael Diawara has been fantastic this season. Um, it's probably about it, really. I think everyone else has been been okay. Uh, EFK Yotaburg, one game, one win in eight. So I think they've been a bit, maybe you could argue slightly disappointing, but six draws, you know, only one defeat. So um, the league's still sort of just about taking shape. I think we still need a few more rounds to really start drawing more wider conclusions. But um, I think the other team as well, I would just name that has impressed me a bit that maybe I didn't quite expect is AIK um, being in third place. I, I, I tipped them to be a lot lower than that. Um, I think they've they've got quite a good balance. Um, they got goalkeeper problems big time. I think that's going to be something they're going to need to address in in the window. Um, Janosovic is really struggling. He's been criticised quite heavily. Uh, he had a shocking game against Mialbi in the two-all draw. He made a howler. He's made quite a few howlers this season, actually. He made one against Ostersunds. Um, so a lot of pressure on his position. Um, Bunimir Janosovic is a 31-year-old goalkeeper. A lot of question marks about him at ARK and They've taken out a loan to be able to maybe buy one or two players, so you wonder if they'll go into the market for 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 a keeper. But uh, yeah, all in all, I'd say impressed with AIK, mildly impressed with Degafors, very impressed with Kalmar, and Hammerby need to do better. 
Yes, and uh, obviously, you know, Hecken down there, we've talked about them a lot in recent episodes, so thought we'd not need to go on about them again, but they have uh, picked up a victory, like, uh, like I said, 3-1 against Varberg. Maybe they can kick on from that in the second half of the season. And sort of just to round things off here, I mean, you seem pretty happy with how the league's been going so far, Jonathan. I mean, final sort of thoughts on this first eight rounds and, and, and what to look forward to when the league comes back in July. Uh, yes, on Hacken, I would say they are they they look good against Warburg. Uh Anyone who supports Arsenal and remembers the uh, the early Wenger years, you know, two of their goals were were really kind of Wenger-esque goals. I thought really nice sort of pass and moving triangles. Benny Trier in the score sheet for the first goal, and uh, Tobias Heinz, both their new signings, finally getting some points on the board for not only Hacken but also my fantasy team. Uh, I've stuck with them through all these rounds, and they're finally rewarding me. Um, yeah, they looked, they looked, they looked really potent. Uh, some, some really nice attacking play for both those goals, um, and Heinz with a lovely chip finish. Um, so yeah, anyone who remembers those Arsenal teams, that it was similar to that kind of football until, uh, I mean, you have to go quite far back now. You know, the latter parts of Wenger's career. You know, the the, the latter ten years weren't so good, but uh, in the earlier years, I mean, uh, when they used to play some really nice football. But um, yeah, the league's the league's going fine. We've got a transfer window coming. Um, we'll see what happens there, and you know, all things considered, Steve, I think you know, for example, your garden are looking good. Um, I think we could have a title race in that sense. I think they could maybe challenge. Um, Mamo, they're looking very strong in terms of goals scored and goals conceded, good ratio, plus seven goal difference, best in, in the league. Uh, so I think we're gonna have a really entertaining relegation battle. I think there's about six teams that I would say might battle it out. Uh, I think that you know. Osterson's got a fantastic win, for example, three 0 against Sirius this, this this past weekend, and they were really really good. Um, again, Sirius were poor, uh, so yeah, the league shaping up nicely. I've said it before, you know, I think there's a lot of tactical fluidity in in, in these teams. So there's some exciting players. Uh, let's see if they can be kept during um, during this window, this transfer window, because I'm a bit worried that we might lose quite a few players. Um, we've lost Sead Haksabanovic, of course, which we'll talk about in a minute, but um, you know. There could be one or two more that go as well. So, um, but all in all, I think it's been an exciting season. There's not much you can predict at this moment in time. I think it's quite well matched. Uh, we were asked a question about that, weren't we, at one point? And and uh, I mentioned that I think it's a really even kind of competition this season so far in Osvenskan. So, no things are things are going well. I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. And uh, yeah, I'll have, I guess I'll have to watch some uh, Italian and try try and uh, brush up on my knowledge for in the next few weeks while we while we have our break. Well, that's having a two week break. After Sunday, he's elititarian, so uh, not much really to get your teeth stuck into for a bit anyway, Jonathan. But uh, well, you mentioned there um, Haskabanovic leaving. You know what it feels like around this time of year, or the equivalent anyway, um, that we're always sort of getting a bit depressed about players leaving, you know, the, the, the leagues up in, in Norway and Sweden. And uh, Haskabanovic, I feel like he's left Sweden about twice already come back and now he's going again what's what's the going on he's off yeah it's uh it's like the hokey cokey isn't it he's in he's out he's all shake it all about really um you put your say at haxabanovich in and, and turn around and that's what it's all about so um he's he's gone uh it was fun while it lasted you could argue one of the best players in the league and as you said there steve it, it's kind of like whenever um whenever a team sort of as a player that does well, you, you don't get much out of them, do you? I mean, he's what, played eight, eight nine games this season. So, yeah, he's off. Um, basically, it's, it's broken now. It's the biggest ever sale in North Shore Beach history. So this is a big transfer, actually. Um, he's officially departed for Rubin Kazan uh, in Russia. Um, they couldn't turn down the money, basically. Uh, I think they've said um, they're sporting, acting sporting director because they had a lot of ch club changes, as we've spoken about in the summer. Um, or sorry, in the winter, but uh, they said we're happy to be able to present uh, the largest deal in North Shopping history of all time. We thank Haksmanovic for his time in, in North Shopping. We wish him all the best. Uh, he's delivered in Osvenskan, showed great loyalty, and we would like to thank him for a, a fine collaboration. Um, so they they said they're proud and satisfied, and why wouldn't they be for the money? It's rumoured to be, um, I can't remember exactly how much it's rumoured to be. I think it's about £6 million is the, is the rumour, which is, is a lot. 
um, for Osvenskan. If that's if that's accurate, it'd be one of the biggest deals in in Osvenskan history. In fact, um, so you know that says a lot. And in terms of the financials of it, obviously, Haksabanovic was was at was at North Shopping. He, he joined from West Ham. Um, you know, and and previously was at Halmstad. He came through through their youth team. Was sold to West Ham. Came back. Um, so yeah, he's he's um, obviously he's gone, and West Ham I think will get a percentage as well because I think there was a sell-on in it. So uh, any West Ham fans or anyone who likes West Ham, they they're going to be due around a million pounds of that move. I think one point five maybe roughly. Um, so yeah, not that they need it. No, not that they need. Well, mate, in the COVID times, you know, any any money will. Any money's good money at this moment in time, but uh, yeah, they're in the Europa League, aren't they? So, so obviously they'll be happy. But uh, no, I think it's, it's a, I think it was always going to happen. You know, Haksbanovic is, to be honest, he's, he's too good for Osvenskan. Um, it was he always came back just to kind of find his feet. You know, it was a bad move to West Ham in, in 2019. Shouldn't really have. I think he moved too early. I think he was he was too young at that time to, to really move. Um, you know, still very young, and he came back to kind of find his feet. Get 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 you know, get game time and show what he can do. He, he um, with North Shopping, he's played 65 games, I think, and he's got 13 goals, 23 assists. So, you know, you can see he's producing decent numbers, good crosser of the ball in that 3-4-3 system of, um, of Norlings. Uh, and Norlings said it's been a real pleasure to work with him. So, yeah, another one bites the dust, Steve, and uh, we'll, we'll see if there'll be any more. But um, all in all, I, as I say, I think Haksbanovic has been a, a great player to watch in this league. And, I don't suppose he'll be back anytime soon. Now I think this should be it for him. Now he can he can sort of find his feet and uh, and continue with his career. I can see uh, I can picture Karen Brady now licking her lips at the delicious one million sell-on clause that West Ham have got there. You know, I was worried about where you were going with that one. <laughs> I thought I knew you. I thought you would. I thought I'd tease you for a little bit there, but. Um... <laughs> Entering dangerous territory there, but uh, yeah. no, Axel is twenty-two, and so as I say, you know he's um, you know he's still got a long, long career ahead of him, and I, and I think, it, like I say, the move from my point of view, it was just too early to the move, and um, you know, he's now sort of found his feet a bit more, probably a bit more mature. You know, there was a lot of rumours when he was at West Ham that he was sort of out partying with uh, Marko Alnortovic and a few other uh, influences in that dressing room, Andy Carroll, and and so. So uh, I think maybe he maybe enjoyed the bright lights of London a bit too much if, if reports are to be believed. Uh, so it didn't quite work out from then. You know, when you're sort of 19, 20, it's very hard to go from Osvenskan to the Premier League. You know, it's, it's, you're not going to get in the first team straight away unless you're incredible. Um, and 23's football, I, I would argue, is better. you would have been better off just staying in Osvenskan. You know, what, what, why go and play 23's football when you're already playing in a, in a good quality league? So it's always money dictates it, doesn't it, Steve? Do you know what? I thought you were going to go down a the route then for a minute when he was all rumours were he was going to be... I thought he was going to be going down poor Pescasolico territory there, but... Uh... Absolutely no comment. <laughs> oh, man. Right, so I've got one more thing uh, on the itinerary here, and uh, this surprised me when I came across it. Fans are back, apparently, in Arsvenskan. Tell us a bit more about this, Jonathan. Yeah, well, before we wrap up, we might we might sort of talk about three or four players who might go as well in in the in the transfer window. Um, and we got one question as well, I think, don't we, Steve? Yes, there is. Do you want to read that read that out now? Um, the question is from um, FPL Napoleon. Thank you very much for the question. Here has uh, BK Hacken turned a corner with their win over Varberg. Should we expect to see more of the same from them now? Yes, thanks a lot for your for your question. So I'll I'll answer um I'll answer your first one on fans because yeah, there's some ex- some exciting news, uh, Steve. I'm sure you'd be happy to hear it. Um, there's been an announcement. I think it was this evening, in fact, that uh, Swedish elite football. So it's kind of breaking news. They're going to allow arenas to open to the public again, a maximum of 500 spectators from June 1st. So this will mainly apply to Super Eton for now, obviously, because we're on, we're on a break. So I think the first game that's going to happen is uh, Gisundsvall. But yeah, the gate, the days of sort of eight fans is is now over, uh, after over a year, uh, and we'll be able to welcome crowds back to games in North Spence, even if it is quite a small number of ga- uh, fans. There's been a lot of controversy in Sweden about this because, you know, there's there's been um, 
as I've said, there's only been eight fans allowed in games this season, and and they've opened. Often clubs have been opening up their terraces or they open up their box, you know, their directors' boxes and things like that. So you can have the hospitality. So usually there's about maybe a hundred fans in there. You know, they'll get the boxes, and you know, a select group of fans will be in those boxes. So it's not been it's been eight in the stadium in the in the terraces, but obviously then you know probably a hundred extra so in the directors' areas, but. What's been controversial about it, Steve, is that, you know, for example, in Sweden, in supermarkets, you, you can have hundreds and if not thousands of people shopping in Ikea or places like that. So uh, there was a famous game not too long ago, a few weeks ago, uh, AIK fans went to the local supermarket and about 250 of their fans turned up at the supermarket, uh, you know, one of those sort of multi-story supermarkets and just started waving their banners and flags over the, um, over the various sort of different floors of the supermarket. Uh, and cheering and lighting up flares and things like that in the in the, in the supermarket, um, just to sort of point out that it was almost a, sort of a protest, basically, at the absurdity of allowing eight fans in an open air arena and not allowing, whilst you allow hundreds and hundreds of fans uh, of of people to go shopping. So um, yeah, it has been a bit of a bone of contention in Sweden. People haven't been happy about it, but uh, yeah, the the announcement now from the government is that 500 fans socially distanced can be allowed. Um, so. Yeah, we will. Yeah, there's been 480 games played without an audience, which is which is a shame. Uh, so you know we've 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 really missed the fans. Uh, eight, uh, sorry, Super Etten will be the first round of, of games that will happen, and I guess they'll see how it goes. And if um, they've announced as well, if it if it does work out and and uh, the crowds are good, then they will start to allow 3,000 spectators from July the first. So um, there's the potential that we could be back to some kind of normality by the time the uh Svenskan season resumes so yeah good, good news steve uh, coming out of sweet superb news i must say that is absolutely excellent news and uh you did mention there was a couple of other transfers you want to quickly talk about for the end of the swedish section yeah i mean in terms of um fpl napoleon's question i think we can expect hacken to to i think we can expect more of them actually i think sometimes you get it with teams where they just need to get that you know, they just need to get that monkey off the back, don't they? And then they can sort of move yeah. forward. And, and I think that's Hacken have often been they've, they've often played all right football, but just been very frustrated side. You know, and when things have gone against them, they've been a bit a bit upset. They've got a cup final coming, so you know, who knows? That could be also a, a big thing for them. And it will be um, their manager's Andreas Alms will be his last game in charge, so they probably want to give him a good send off. They got a decent. Uh, quality of fixtures coming up though after the break they've got AIK at home, Kalmar away North Shopping away, Elsborg at home Garden away so that is five really tricky fixtures to be honest and uh, it will be a real test of their their uh, credentials and of course I don't think we know who the new manager is unless I've missed something but uh, as far as I'm aware I don't, I don't know who the new manager is so that's still to be resolved um, there was a report I read last that said they've had a lot of world class names that was what their sporting director said so um, I don't know if it's Alan Kerbishley or you know someone like that. Or maybe, could be in the mixer. Maybe Roy Hodgson factory's coming back to Sweden. You never know. <laughs> but um, yeah, but you know, Hacken is quite an attractive job now. I think so. So I'm not sure if it'll be world class names. I don't think we'll see Antonio Conte, but uh, certainly they. I'm sure there'll be a good quality caliber of of of, um, of uh, applicants. So yeah, I think we can expect to see them do better. I think that Hacken AIK game. Could go either way that one. So um, yeah, they've got really, like I say, really tough five fixtures. But they're going to need to pick up points because if they if they if they're on the wrong end of those five games, then they are really going to be in big trouble uh, halfway through the season. So uh, yeah, big few weeks coming up for for Hacken, um, and we'll see how it goes. But I do think they'll start to slightly improve. Hopefully, there might be a case where the bigger games kind of is better for them because there's less pressure on them. And they might get more chances in it, you know. So I, w I wouldn't be surprised if they did all right. I mean, they they didn't exactly play badly against some of the bigger teams that I saw anyway. Um, they should have more points on the board. So, yeah, Hacken are a team to definitely follow, I think, in the, after the resumption of the league. And, you know, it is quite a few weeks until it does resume. I'm sure there'll be quite a few changes at clubs uh, before then. Uh, yeah, they said the transfer window is, is, is already open, you say, John, there. Or it's about to open, and um, you know, it's always some teams just like brand new side in the second half of the, of the campaign. It's the way it goes in Sweden. I'm kind of used to it by now. 
Yeah, exactly. And don't forget, of course, we've got the European Championships. We're not going to talk about that on this episode, but we may we may sort of touch on Sweden, um, you know, their chances at the Euros maybe in the next episode. But uh, in terms of, of transfer, Steve, I just wanted to sort of touch on one or two because I, I'm fairly sure that... Um, I'm fairly sure that uh, Arne Hodzic will, will leave, as I said. I know Arne Hodzic from, from Malmo. I think he'll be the biggest transfer. Could arguably be one of the biggest ever, um, depending on the fee. There's also a lot of rumours about A. Marcher at Hammerby. Um, reports that Lecce in, in, in Italy and Groningen have made offers for him. Uh, he's a young 18-year-old who, who hasn't... You know, he's only played three games this season. He only started three games this season, but he, you know, he's, he's sort of quite highly rated. Um... But as you've just said there, there's always rumours about Swedish players. It's quite a well-scouted league these days. It's quite kind of, there's a lot of attention on it. So anyone who does well, I mean, Akin Kumiyamu, where will he end up? You know, have we seen the last of him? Who, who knows? So um, there's always there's always a few players that, you know, will we'll leave in this in this coming window and we'll, we'll keep you up to date with it, of course. Um, I think Wittry is one as well. Eurogarden, who is on a high level now, and there's a lot of talks about potentially... Can Jurgen keep him? You know, I think they they probably expect some bids coming in for him. So as always, a lot of the top players will will leave. But as always in in, in Sweden, uh, new players will come up. So we'll see how it goes. I think obviously jo- Joseph Akuma is another one at Elsborg. I think there'll be a lot of rumours about him in this coming window. Um, the big centre back who we've talked about. There's there's rumours that Ras in uh, in France have a have a strong interest in him. A bid of around two million pounds. Is, been reported roughly. Uh, Ghent as well, always in for a Swedish player, aren't they? So uh, um, we'll see about that. He's got a contract till 2022. So yeah, um, watch this space. And of course, in the in the coming weeks, we'll keep you updated on the Nordic Football Podcast as, as always. Uh, we won't have much football to talk about, but we'll definitely have some transfer news, I'm sure, as, as we go along. So until July the 3rd, then, Jonathan, I, uh, we bid the Asvenskid farewell. Um, we look forward to it returning and you know it's been good stuff so far so yeah that will be the end of this section thank you very much for your coverage on the Asvenskan for the season so far and like you said there'll be more of that uh, to come very soon um, okay we'll take a break after it we'll be moving on to a latest area in Norwegian matters so uh, stick around and we'll see you very soon Welcome back to this episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're going to head to Norway now uh, with my colleague Steve Wiss. Now, Steve, you're usually pretty good at fantasy football, but uh, I took a look at the table and I saw you in 52nd place on our all scan. Uh, sorry, on our Elite Assyrian Nordic Football Podcast Fantasy League. Um, so I know you're the expert, but do you have any comments on your fantasy performance before we before we get onto it? Just putting you on the spot here. Well, it was even worse, Jonathan. Um... You know, I was outside of the top 16,000 before round number, uh, the Thursday round. Uh, Thankfully, I've had a a bit of a a renaissance, you could say, a resurgence, sorry. Um, And, uh, you know, hopefully we can trend in the right direction now. But uh, honestly, it was pretty damn pathetic before then. Had a very poor start to the year. Yeah, you have indeed. I mean, I'm not one to comment because I'm I'm literally in the I'm literally doing a, a West Bromwich Albion, I think, at the moment. So uh, I don't want to comment too much about where I am in this league. But uh, in case you are part of the fantasy league, you know, we've got a good sort of we've got a good number of us in the league this year. But we want to improve it. So if you are playing and you haven't joined our league yet and you're listening to this, then uh, go to fantasy.elitaserian.no and get your team in. Uh, join our fantasy league. Its uh, code is EV7. Zero I zero, and that's the code to join. If you've already entered the team, you can still join the league, and you'll be put into the into the into the league. So you won't lose out on any points or anything like that. But uh, yeah, so uh, you know, so far, Steve, you, you got a bit of work to do to to catch up on the leaders, which are um, you know they're sort of they've made some good starts. I'll just read out the the leaderboard here. Um, in third place, we've got Emil Magnus Jacobson with Juvelin United. He's in on three hundred twenty-four points. Uh, in second place, we've got a regular on in our two leagues, OCD All Stars, uh, JS with 328 points. And top of the league at this moment in time is it'd be rude not to, uh, managed by average at FPL. So 
Uh, it looks like a specific FPL account there. So he's 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 running away with it so far with 337 points. So um, a lot of work for you to do there, Steve, to catch to catch them up. But uh, yeah, well done to those guys. And if you haven't entered yet, do get your team in. Now let's move on to the action and, and talk about what's been happening on the pitch because we've now sort of had about five, six rounds, haven't we, Steve? I mean, it's very varied. Some teams have played three games, um, but Bruder Glimt and Rosenborg, five games and six games respectively. Uh, and we've got them respectively at the top of the table. Uh, Glimt top with four wins, one draw, no defeats. Uh, and Rosenborg, six games, three wins, two draws, one defeat in the, on 11 points. But two, two rounds this week, Steve. So I um, just want to initially get your thoughts on these last few rounds. Manic, really, there's been a lot of fixtures adding up. Um, you know, you might look at the league table and you think, wow, this is just confusing because some teams are on six games, some on three, some have got four. If actually no one's got four, but some have got five. Um, it's, it is a bit of a mess. And I think until we're through these sort of rounds, I think it's like midway through the, the, the summer when, when we should get uh, a much more clearer picture. But yeah, um, obviously, Brown at the bottom with six losses out of six is a big talking point. Buda Glimt, there's only two sides that are still unbeaten. Buda Glimt and Starbeck, although Starbeck have only played three matches. So, yeah, there's, there's a, obviously there's a few surprises. There always is going to be at this stage. But, um, you know, death, taxes and Buda Glimt winning football matches, not much changes in Norway. <laughs> Do you think psychologically that having played so many fewer games, do you think that affects players or managers or clubs? Uh, from your point of view, because you know it's quite rare that you see such a discrepancy in, in, in games. I know it is very early days, but you know you look at the table. I mean, I've, I see Brand six games, six defeats, zero points, uh, and then above them is Halgerson, who played three games. I mean, he got three games in hand on them. I mean, you know, you might have the jitters; they might be already relegated at some, you know for some of their fans. Minus thirteen goal difference. Do you, from your point of view, do you think that has any weighting psychologically on any of the teams, or do you think it's not not a big deal? I don't actually know. And this is where I need to sort of ask managers and players, I think, because I'm thinking like the sports teams I've been involved in. I would rather be have points on the board. That's just me. I'd like to front run if I can. I don't like the idea of being down there, even if I've got games in hand. But that's just my personal preference. You know, Hogerson and, and Sarsborg and, and Odd down there might be might be loving life. Who knows? They might be thinking, oh, we've got three games in hand here. We're fine, boys. So, yeah, Brown are obviously not going to be enjoying themselves because there's six losses out of six. But um, I, I really don't know. I think it would depend. I mean, I said I would always be someone who likes to have the points on the board and, and try and front them. But uh, it could be could be anything. Yeah, and there's been a few sort of special days in Norway, hasn't there? Sort of uh, famous celebration days, things like that, national days. Um, which led, led to there being sort of special rounds of football. <clears throat> so I'm just going to read you some of the results from the last week. Since our last podcast, we've, we've had two rounds. Uh, Monday, the 24th of May was one round, and, and then season's <coughs> gone. Uh, Thursday, 27th of May. So I'm just going to read you all the scores so that you, anyone who's not seen the results has some sort of overview. We had Odd 1, Sartsville 1 on Monday, 24th of May. We had Brand 1, Budiglim 2. Halgerson 0, Starbeck 0. Christensen 1, Stromus Godset 0. Christensen, by the way, are strongly becoming my, my favourite team in, in Norway um, for reasons that I think we've said before, but uh, I'll talk about maybe later. But uh, Lillestrøm 1, Viking 3, Mjolnellen 1, Wallerenga 1, Tromsø 1, Sandefjord 3, and Rosenborg in the big game, Rosenborg 2, Molder 3. I think, Steve, you had a prediction on that game, uh, which we can talk about in a minute. Uh, and then... Thursday just gone, so this evening just gone in these games. Uh, Budiglip 2, Haugerson 0. Lillestrøm 1, Odd 0. Sandefjord 1, Rosenborg 2. Salzburg 0, Christensen 1. Gordon the Christensen. Uh, Starbeck 2, Brand 0. 6 out of 6 defeats now for Brand, incredible. Strumsgodset 1, Trumza 1. Viking 2, Mion Dallin 1. And then in a big sort of game, a bit of an upset potentially. Mulder 2, Wallerenga 3. Uh, Steve, let's start with that big game because you, you predicted Wallerenga going to have a good season, and I also think you, you know I just want to ask you about your your Y Scout blog as well, uh, which is our latest blog of the month on, on Y Scout of our partners uh, at Y Scout. Um, if you want to go and check there for all the latest data and, and video, uh, we're partners with them this season, and we do a regular uh, blog about about uh, both leagues 
uh, and you've done a blog on on Valoranga, haven't you? Does does this result surprise you? What you've seen uh, this evening, Mulder two, Valoranga three? Massively surprised me. Um, I can't actually comment on these games yet because I was otherwise engaged on Thursday evening, so I didn't actually have a chance to watch any of these games live. But I expected Mulder to win comfortably uh because they're the better side uh they all they have a great home record um but volaringa have actually gone there and then it looks like they've nicked it statistically i think they've had four shots and three on target that doesn't tell the full story of a game so i don't know i can't really fully comment but uh, it's a massive boost for them i was beginning to think i've actually cursed them a bit um by doing the wise cup blog ever since that blog came out they've been shit so i was a bit fearing for them that's a massive result though you, you can't underestimate the if you you know if you go away from home against any of the big clubs in whatever league you're in the world you are going to get a confidence boost from that and it might just be the kick me the pick me up sorry um and the, to kick start the season that they need and um the quality is there as i said in the, in the white scout blog they i think they've actually got on paper a side that can win the league it's about things all coming together you know a little bit to look here and there uh, the manager needs to make sure he's on the ball all the time not just sometimes he brings a lot of good qualities to, to volleying but he needs to maybe he maybe himself needs to adapt a little bit in certain games as well but yeah on paper they, if they kept this squad for the, mo the whole season they, they could win the league but already they have dropped too many points and um i think if they had lost that one you could have definitely kissed goodbye to any gold medal hopes i still think it's a bit bleak you can't be dropping points to christiansen and neon down already um, but that's given them a fighting chance. They've got to go on a good run now, though. Yeah, and for anyone who wants to um, to read that blog, uh, our latest for Wise Scout, uh, it's now on their new blog, which is hosted on Huddle. So go to huddle.com uh, slash blog, and you should be able to find it there pretty easily. Um, it's called Valerenga uh, Tactics. So um, <clears throat> uh, the full title is on the website, but yeah, it's a, it's a look at their tactics, look at their new players, it's called bringing this giant of Norwegian football back to the top. Um, we're partners in association with Just Football. Uh, so if you go on there, you can have a, a good read, performance analysis. Uh, really good work, Steve, as always, um, with their tactics and their style. But uh, yeah, let's move on. We've got quite a few questions, as always, um, from our listeners on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. So I'm going to sort of pick your brains on one or two of these as well. Uh, thanks to everyone who's asked questions. As always, we, we really appreciate it. Um, Steve, I'm going to start with one from... And uh, who should I pick? I'm going to pick Lab Locks um, at Lab underscore Locks. And they ask, will anyone compete with Buddha or Mulder? Uh, Rosenborg could be a team on a mission. Looking forward to tuning in. Uh, thanks very much for listening, Lab. Hope you are enjoying the shows. And uh, Steve, what are your thoughts on that? Because obviously that ties into the discussion we've just had about, about Olerenga, of course. Um, you know, do you see anyone else competing? And, and what's the situation there with Rosenborg? Yeah, I mean, it's one from four teams. Budaglim, Rosenborg, Molde, Valerenga. They're the four teams who could win the league. Um, I've, we asked, Rosenborg has surprised me, actually. They've been a lot better than I thought they would be. They've got a massive hunger and a desire to do, do, to do well. I think they're, um, I think what's happened is you've got a squad now that's there's not so many in that squad that have actually won gold medals before. And I think we had a situation where maybe they got a little bit stale with guys that had won the league a lot and you maybe got bored of winning and they lose you, you lose your edge a little bit but there's a clear hunger that's it's, it's driven by certain players christopher zacharias is the main instigator he's actually becoming maybe one of the best well no maybe about it he is one of the best players in the elite Serien now his journey to the top um has has been superb he's in the norwegian national team squad for the next round of matches and um you know he, he's absolutely spearheading their campaign and there's they're scoring a lot of late goals they're clearly believing in themselves you know they, they beat sanderfield 2-1 in the 92nd minute on thursday evening i don't think they would i don't think they'd have won that match over the last couple of years whoever would be in charge they didn't have that mentality to keep going right to the final whistle um whether they can actually keep it going throughout the whole season is interesting because i still think that buddhigland molder probably have a more quality on paper at times even volarenda as well so yeah fair play to reasonable i think they, they they have been a lot better than i thought they've only been outplayed once and that was against uh, buddha glimpse but even then they managed to nick a draw so that's is it good or bad that you're relying on late goals all the time though because you can't it can't happen regularly can it you can't expect it to continue happening all the time 
does it's a good and a bad thing in my opinion. Um I still don't think they'll win the league, but yeah, they've been better than I thought reasonable. It's good to hear. And of course they, they beat Sanderfjord uh two one. Uh goals from Hovland and Molines. Molines who used to be in, in Sweden, of course. Um so good to see him doing well there. Zacharias with an assist and Tag Seth with an assist. Uh, so, yeah, they look like they're, they're sort of um, pro- progressing quite well. Uh, and thanks a lot again, as I say, to your question, Lab Locks. Um, let's move on, Steve. I'm going to... Uh, we can't we can't go through this episode without talking about Bran. I mean, shocking, really. Uh, six points out of six. You said on the last podcast they are the Liverpool of, of Norway, potentially, with their fan base and that, that kind of history. Um, they lost 2-0 at Starbeck this evening, just gone. Amankwa and Skitter with the goals. What on earth is going on at Brand, Stephen? And before we, before you answer that, um, I've got a question from Chris Hilliam at Footy Analysis. Footy Analy Chris, good little uh, analogy there. Good little play on words. Um, he says, which manager or head coach is capable of turning it around at Brand, assuming Kari's days are rapidly diminishing? Uh, Steve, firstly, just lay out what is going on at Brand. I mean, what on earth is happening there? Um, and then if you could answer Chris's question as well in terms of managers. And um, what's the managerial situation? Right, they played six out six games. Only Rosenborg have played that amount, so the fixtures have been adding up for Brand. I mean, that, let's cut them a little bit of slack for that. Quite what they've got left in the tank, I've no idea. They've got to pull themselves together, try and get a result against uh, Strom's Godset this weekend, um, and try and get some points before this two-week international break. But uh, I look at their first five games, and they were brutal fixtures. I mean, they they faced Viking Molder. Rosenborg Buda Glimt, um, Volarenga. That that's bloody hard. And then they had the away match at Starbeck. I'll be honest, you might have seen me tweeting this morning. I was very tempted to actually back them. I was very tempted to bet on Brown away at uh, Starbeck because they looked a big price. And uh, I, I actually pulled out. Um I, I didn't have the I didn't have the bollocks to take them, to be honest. Because there's an old saying that bad things happen to bad teams. And they missed a penalty in the 14th minute, Robert Taylor. I mean, if that penalty goes in, it's a different ball game, isn't it? And then they end up losing 2-0 against Starbeck. So, yeah, six out of six defeats. But, you know, really, probably Starbeck's the only easy fixture, if you class Starbeck as easy, that they've had. And um, we'll talk about the manager in a minute, but sorry times for Brown, a lot of panic going around, but... I don't think it's as bad as it seems. That's the way I see it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to just read one or two comments from from their fans on the Twitter feed this evening. Uh, sorry, but this is not good enough. The coach and the club and the management and the players, none of them are good enough. Um, one comment, some of them I can't even read because they're a bit bit rude. Unbelievable that you managed to make my betting predictions look so bad. My uh, Unbelievable that you managed to make my prediction of four teams look so optimistic. Uh, his one comment. Um, this is a scandal at SK Brand. This is there is so much incompetence living within the walls of Brand Stadium that I become speechless. Uh, I mean, I could go on. This is, uh, you know, some angry fans here, isn't there? Um, there's one that says, if there is a loss against Godset, then big, big changes must pl- take place. This is not good enough. Uh, Steve. Do you think there'll be big changes taking place? Um, and if you could answer sort of a Chris's question there in terms of the managerial situation, you know, who, who could come in and turn this ship because it is looking like a ship that is sinking? Uh, and just in terms of the next three fixtures, you did mention, yeah, they have had some tough games, haven't they? Uh, the next three games, Godset, Sarsborg away, and then Odd at home. So um, what are your thoughts? Winnable matches for sure. As for who can come in, uh, it's a good question, actually. I, I think... I can't really give any names, but um, I would say anyone who comes in with a clear tactical identity, they haven't got one on the car under Inge Brixen. You just don't know what sort of football they're trying to play. Um, it's neither here nor there. Even teams that are struggling like Sarchborg, you know they're playing this defensive 3-4-3 system. You know what they're about. At least with Bran, I haven't got a clue. I generally have not got a Scooby-Doo. And um, that's the problem with Corda. I think he... Look, they showed something against Rosenborg and Budik, didn't they? Probably they should have beaten Rosenborg and they conceded late goals. They they gave a good account of themselves against Budik Limt. I think he's a, probably I think he's not a bad man manager, really. I think he's not a bad motivator. Um I don't think he's got the squad necessarily he wants there at Brandt. And I don't think maybe tactically 
it's quite working for him right now. I, I can't dis I can't I can't dismiss a manager who has won elite Assyrian titles and saying he's tactically useless or anything. That's not can't be the case. I just don't think tactically it's quite working for him at Brand for whatever reason. Um, whether they need the change or not, maybe they need a change just to go in a different direction. Sometimes that's what football needs, a football club needs. And um, I think that if they do did bring someone else in, they need someone that's like very obvious what sort of style they're playing, whether it's like a big Sam Allardyce defensive sort of thing, shit housing teams, or sort of, you know, like a Graham Potter, you know, nice looking football, passing stuff like that. They need a clear identity. That, that's that's Brand's problem. Thanks very much for your question then, uh, Chris. Uh, Hilliam, if you're not following us on Twitter, um, what are you been waiting for all your life? Follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. You can follow um, Steve on Twitter at Meet Man Soccer. You can follow myself at JF Football, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. I tend to tweet mainly on the Nordic Football Podcast account, really, in terms of Swedish stuff. But but uh, every now and then I'll drop an opinion. If you've got a question, you're always welcome to tweet me. Um, we'll, we'll move on because we do have probably three or four more questions. But firstly, before we touch on those, I want to talk to you about uh, the two unbeaten teams, because there's only two teams now left in the league who are unbeaten, uh, and they are, it might, might surprise one or two actually. Uh, Budu Glimt, maybe not so surprising, but Starbeck, uh, where's that come from? I, mean, it, I know it's only been three games, but have you got high hopes for Starbeck this season? And just tell us about these two teams, their, their progress. Well, you know, Budu Glimt have started the year well. You could actually look at their fixtures and say, have they beaten anyone decent yet? And probably the answer is no. The one match they faced against someone good-looking was Rosenborg, and they drew it to all. They played very well, though. Uh, it doesn't surprise me they are unbeaten after those fixtures. They will have some tougher tests to come by. I think the good thing for Buda Glimt is their sort of tough fixtures are spaced out more evenly across the season. I think some of the other sides have had to face like, some of the big teams on block almost. Um, Starbeck... I mean, you said it yourself, the reason they're unbeaten is they've only played three games. Um, I've not actually been impressed with them, to be honest. Uh, I think it, the good thing for them is they are unbeaten, fair play for digging in, but they've not looked that good to me. You know, if they can see that penalty against Brown, it might be, might well be losing a game by now, but they were second best in against Odd and, and Horgerson, who've not been that great. But they started the season later, can bet some other teams still find their feet. Uh, the the hard side to work out, Starbeck. Like, generally, it could be any version of them on the day. I think they'll finish around mid-table. Some good days, some bad days. And um, I don't think they're going to stay. Well, they've got Rosenborg this weekend. They're going to lose that. So that I don't think their unbeaten run is going to stay uh, intact for much longer. Yes, and you've predicted them to finish. Uh, I think you've predicted them in six yeah. in the preseason podcast. So. Looks like you've got some high hopes of them being not that impressed with them so far. So, um, an interesting one. And yeah, their next few games, they, they've got some tough games coming up, Rosenborg away, uh, and then Tromso at home, and then Mulder away. So, certainly we'll learn more about Starbeck in, in the next three games, I, I'm sure. Um, we've got a question now on Glimt. And of course, they are very popular at the moment in time, uh, not just in Norway, but in general, really, because they, they've been so good in the past sort of one to two years. Got a question from Andrew Kaiser, A at AW Kaiser. Uh, thanks very much for your question. Uh, he's got two questions, but I think we're going to stick to one of them. Casper um, Junker scored 27 for Glimt, he says, last year. Botheim is on pace for 30 with a goal every game so far. That would tie the Norwegian record from 1968. Is there any chance he keeps this pace up, Steve? Well, this is a great question. You know what? I was something on Twitter earlier this week from... Uh... Ben Wells, who uh, he asked uh, something, let me just see if I can find it. Here we go. If you played for, for Glimp, 30 games a season, 90 minutes guaranteed every week, how many goals would you back yourself to score over the course of the season? It's one of them. Look, he didn't score a single goal for Starbeck last year in 15 matches. But it's about finding the right fit for a player, isn't it? I mean, we mentioned Molines there at Rosenborg. Um, I mean, he's looked damn bloody useless in the last two years. And he's actually getting into some good positions at Rosenborg and he's bagged a couple of goals. Um, I guess the question is how good is Botheim? I think I think he's not a bad player, he's not a bad finisher. But the system that they play, if you're playing striker for them, you are going to get yourself some chances uh, for sure. It's just the way it is because 
teams having to focus on other players uh, if you've got good movement and sort of a poacher's instinct then then you, you can do well i mean in terms of the actual question how many can he end up scoring well he scored exactly one goal i think in every game so far so i mean he's gonna probably have a match where he goes bonkers and gets a hat trick or two uh he's gonna have some lean spells as well but yeah this team does i don't think the glimpse uh train is quite as looking at as strong in terms of firepower at the moment but they're due a load a bunch of more goals i don't my gut feeling is he probably won't score as many as Juncker. that's just my gut feeling but um i think you'll say i think he'll be between 20 25 i'm, I'm gonna say 20 24 goals i'm gonna say uh if he stays fit um but um, yeah, if you, you if you if you're a striker, you want to be going to Buda Glim fast for sure. In your opinion, Steve, who who is the best striker in the league? God, um, that's a that's a very tough question. I, I need a bit of time to think about that. To be honest with you, um, it's not one that's going to go straight off the tongue right now. There you go. There is Meatman Soccer. Thank you for your question, uh, Andrew Kaiser. Yeah, I suppose I am putting you on the spot there a little bit, to be fair. So uh, yeah, maybe we can save it for another time. Maybe there's not a clear standout. Uh, or maybe you're listening to this and you think there's a clear standout. So please tweet us at Nordic Football. Let us know what, what you think. Um, but yes, we're coming to the end of this episode now. So we've got one or two more questions. But yeah, it's looking... Um, it's still early days in Norway, really, isn't it? There's still some big gap. I think the next three rounds maybe will start to see a bit more clarity uh, there's still a bit more football to be played before we can really draw some, some conclusions probably um but i definitely i'm not going to let this episode go past without a mention for my boys christiansen who are starting to really appeal to me as a team to support i did think about supporting odd but uh i haven't quite made my decision on, on them yet three games zero wins uh two draws one defeat not that that will influence me but uh not a good start to the season for them but we've got a question from Frode Mikkelbust. Hope I pronounced that correctly. Um, at Fro Mike, um, thanks for your question. And his his question is thoughts on KBK. Strong away victory today in three in a row with a big smiley face and a thumbs up emoji. And then he says, and that Sartsburg team, my God, they are really going to struggle to stay in Elite Serie. And Steve, what are your thoughts on uh, KBK? Um, I'm actually going to start with Sartsburg here because he's totally right. They, I, I think they're. They're not looking very good at all. I think Mick Ostara is kind of a bit like a dementor here. He's draining the soul out of this, the, the, the team. And, you know, the last sort of year and a half, they, 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 they're they not a good watch. I would I would not recommend anyone to watch a Sarpsport game. They're, 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 they're bloody horrible to watch, really. Um, not very exciting matches. Um, he's got this 3-4-3 system. It's a very defensive version of it. Um, and also, at the minute... They are missing probably a couple of attackers that would probably help them, but they just don't create enough chances apart from from open play anyway. Um, they started the season bad last year and they turned it around. They beat teams sort of down there, and maybe that makes me think they can probably survive just by doing it again. But I, I, I do worry. I think um, Star just needs to look at the system a bit and, and be a bit more adventurous. Uh, I don't know. In terms of Christiansen, well, we shouldn't be surprised, should we? I mean, this match, I wasn't surprised at all. I expected them to beat Sarpsborg, to be honest, with the better side. But do you know what? I was actually, they lost their first two games, and I was thinking, you know what? This is the year Christiansen fail. This is finally going to happen. But they've, they've turned it around. This, I don't know how they do it, because I look at this squad, and I'm like, it's not that good a squad. You know, there's, there's no real standout star player now that Pellegrino's left. Um, you can maybe say the goalkeeper Sean McDermott is a quality goalkeeper, but it's like they have a bunch of like the squad, like a bunch of loads of decent players that add up to a really good sum, but they don't have like stars. Maybe that's a good thing, and they've got a big big depth as well. So during these sort of weeks, they can rest and rotate and give a lot of players minutes. The manager knows his style; it's a low possession counter attacking system. Teams seem to fall into his trap all the time. If I was I knew if I was playing against them and I was managing against them, I know exactly how I would go about beating Christiansen. It's not rocket science. Let them have the ball and see what they can do with it because they can't do anything with it. It's just when they counter attack and have a low possession, they're so dangerous. 
So I don't know why teams just don't deal with them better than they do. But um, fair play, you know, they, they, they get the results and um, it can't be a surprise. It just seems to happen all the time. They constantly overachieve and, um, yeah, it looks like they're going to be absolutely fine again this year and uh, probably mid-table top half. Great stuff. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Christiansen, I, I, you know, they, they've so far uh, lost their first two games. Mulder 2-0 and then Budigamp 2-0. Probably understandable. Uh, but won all three since. They beat Wallerenger away, beat Strumscott at home and beat Salzburg away. So next game is Lillestrom at home, Odd at home. May well tune into that on the 12th of June, Christiansen, Odd, and, and I might... I might choose my team to support based on that game, so we we shall see. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's for another day. But yeah, thanks very much for your question there. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there's one or two more questions I think before we wrap up this show. Uh, thank you, Froda. By the way, I can't I can't let this episode go without a mention for ADT. I'm not seeing you for a while, uh, ADT. If you're listening to this, um, Adrian Thompson, he's tweeted us and said that the issue at Hackenay. Could it be the prediction of a high placing this year? The commentator's curse. Early days yet, which uh, obviously a man who who knows my predictions in the past. <laughs> Great to hear from you, ADT, as always. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Always, uh, always a friend of the pod. Um, we also had a comment from at Yazik Ruski, Ruski Yazik, who says, welcome to Russia, welcome to Kazan. Um, tweeted us in Russian about uh, Haksabanovich. Uh, thanks for your comment. Um, but Steve, I'm going to wrap it up with one question from uh, Ramon Villageliu Arnello, who's a bit of a friend of the pod. I've seen him in the fantasy leagues one or two times as well. So I think he's got a few fantasy teams in, in our pod, which is great this season. Um, he asks, do you think that Kiesil Knutsen can train a bigger club in Europe now that a lot of teams are changing their managers? I think that's a good question, actually, Steve. He's done so well at um, his current club. Um, could you just give an overview of him and his style and would he be attractive to, to clubs abroad? And, and and from your point of view, do you think has there been any interest? Yeah, I think he could. I think he's the best manager in um, in the elitist area. And he has been for a good uh, couple of years, really. Um, I've said it before, I think he's they're, they're surrounded by a really good coaching team up there. Um, so, you know, and, and it's the same with all managers. People don't realise it. You're as, sometimes you're as good as the team around you, aren't you? And he... But I'm sure he would, if he was to move somewhere else, he would make sure he's got the pieces in place for uh, how what he wants. But he has a direction. He he has a clear tactical direction. We talked about Bran earlier. Um, Budigan to the opposite. You know exactly how they're going to play. Four three three, high pressing, high tempo, relentless. It's very similar roles. Um, you know, for for your players, you'll have you know one of the fullbacks will typically be more attack minded than the other on the wings you've probably got one sort of more traditional out that winger one goes inside midfield trio all have similar roles as well and i'd imagine he could employ that in most leagues around the world you know along with his coaching methods they're always some really physically fit side as well if that's something you can really implement on on anyone you know it doesn't matter who what who and where really it's just Clear, if you've got a clear fitness sort of direction, um, then then that's something in itself. Um, yeah, I think he definitely could go uh, abroad and, and do very well in doing the same sort of thing. I don't see why not with better players, as long as uh, you know these bigger egos sort of had had, had the respect for him, then uh, no problem at all. And, and what is it that makes? I mean, there's been a lot of talk about his psychology and things like that. Do you do you think it's his own? If you took him out of that club and put him in a different environment. Can he still do the job, or is it is it really the sum of all their parts is what makes Budigan so strong? I said that the sum of their all their parts makes him very strong. If you just suddenly randomly put him into Rosenborg now, he's probably not going to do as well. He's going to have to make some more appointments himself, get a right team around him, for sure. Um, I I don't know. Maybe he could go to somewhere right now and just immediately make an impact all on him by himself. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel it's like a sort of. I don't know, like a Bielsa almost factor where you, you pop him somewhere and immediately it has an impact. I think you kind of need to, a few other people around him or even like even though Bielsa, he brings his own team in. So, yeah, I think um, he's, at some point he will definitely, obviously, I think, move away to, to a bigger club. I, I think he's still got plenty of fish to fry at Buda Glimpse for sure. So, uh, 
I don't think he'll be quite yet, but hey, maybe there's a lot of clubs out there who could do an awful lot worse. I see a lot of good managers floating around and they don't even get a mention. Christoph Galtier, uh, you know, who's won the title with Lille in Liga. And um, here, here are some like Premier League teams talking about other other people. I think, um, yeah, there's Seattle Clemson. At some point, there will be a big deal made of him, but I don't think that time has come yet. He's still very much under the radar. Great stuff. And uh, I think that's about it for this episode. So we've covered uh, most of what we want to cover. We've answered all your listener questions. That'll be it for Sweden for a, for a good sort of 36 days. But we've definitely got some Norway to come, so we'll be back next week. Uh, we will be dissecting Norway and we'll, we'll keep an eye on the transfers and stuff like that. We might have a little re- mini review of the season so far in Sweden in terms of the transfers and what you can expect and any any latest news, managerial changes, the cup final, things like that. So um, for now, thanks a lot for joining us. My name is Jonathan Padubi. You can ju- follow me on Twitter at JF Football, J-F-F-U-T-B-O-L. You can follow Meat Man Soccer at Meat Man Soccer. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Nordic Footpod. Uh, we have been doing some bonus episodes on Patreon, so patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast. If you want to support us, you know, buy us the equivalent of a cupcake per month or something like that, then we'd be more than happy. Or, uh, I don't know, slight, uh, a hamburger for, for for Steve over there, Meat Man Soccer. But uh, no, it's been a, been a great episode, Steve. I think uh, it's been informative. Hopefully everyone's enjoyed it. And uh, I will catch you next week, my friend. Yeah, I just want to say thanks very much uh, to our new Patreon. Chris, you know who you are. We appreciate your support. But yes, take everyone. Uh, goodbye. And we'll see you around again uh, next week. Adios. Massive shout out to Chris. And thanks a lot, Steve. Good to see you again. Take care. Goodbye.